Crisis Podcast. There is no paycheck that that can equal the feeling of contentment that comes from being the person you are meant to be. This is not Swami saying, but this is by Oprah Winfrey, the well-known media executive. Hmm. You all may wonder why Swami is saying this now. Let us dive in. Leadership in Crisis podcast, and we have invited a special guest, Jennifer Martinez, to explain about the leadership qualities one has to possess. especially in this crisis situation let me give a brief introduction of jennifer to all of you jennifer martinez is the president and founder of leap and inspire global llc an organization focused on helping individuals and organization achieve their full potential through coaching consulting and development prior to forming leap and inspire global Jennifer was senior vice president of research evaluation and societal advancement at the Center for Creative Leadership. In her over 26 year career at CCL, Jennifer contributed to its growth through her evidence-based focus on evaluation, design, facilitation, coaching, writing, and speaking. Jennifer recently co-authored with Portia Mount a book on kick some glass 10 ways women succeed at work on their own terms which aims to empower women to break through their proverbial glass ceilings and move toward understanding and attainment of their unique definition of success there are many things we can talk about jennifer but for the interest of time let me directly welcome to jennifer to the show so jennifer welcome to the show thank you swami Jennifer I think uh, you have a wonderful uh, experience in developing people with good qualities of leadership and you have proven time and again a leadership quality can be coached and you can transform a person to a good leader but uh, a basic question let me ask you what are the leadership qualities do you see in leaders who are leading well especially in today's crisis Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I think that um, you know, in in some regards, um there's consistency to the the leadership uh qualities and characteristics that effective leaders are using whether or not they're in a time of crisis. But then there are some um, you know, probably additional um tweaks or ways in which they need to be leading uh to be successful through crisis. So You know as I as I thought about the question um one of the um the the differences of course that we see is that in this time 2020 uh with covid and the impact that it's having on on businesses the 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 situations differ based on industry right so some industries are really suffering particularly service oriented industries and um and some industries are growing. Yeah. Um in fact I I looked up and discovered that the strongest uh growing um industry from globally is the respiratory ventilator 
uh, manufacturing industry. So, you know, makes perfect sense, right? And so the challenges that leaders are going to have in those different types of industries will vary. The, I think the, the, the commonality though, is the need to look at a combination to be agile, to be flexible, right? Mm -hmm. So to, to look at, um, what do we need to do in the short term to be successful, to survive, um, if they're in massive growth and how in the short term can they meet the needs of their clients and, and uh, you know, pursue that growth while still retaining the culture that they are trying to, you know, whatever it is. So there's a, there's a short term focus that they need to have and there's a longer term focus in terms of sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so leaders who are effective and leading in this time of crisis are able to pay attention to both of those and not um, sacrifice one for the other. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the, the first um, capability or quality um, that came to mind uh, as I was thinking about this question. No, that, that's good. At least uh, you gave the key qualities which are really important because as I often uh, we see, there are always an identical companies which have a, a great uh, resource pool for both the organizations. They have everything similar, whatever the industry you want to take, but then only one organization is really leading and really going upwards in terms of giving the profitability to the stakeholders mm -hmm. and also taking care of the employees and all other stuff. But then the other competitor, which are the equal size and all, but still don't do. And always the answer is good leader. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again for giving yeah. that uh, quick information. But uh, as you were also talking about this culture in your leadership, right? So uh, I know you are very passionate about um, creating equitable and inclusive cultures, mm -hmm. a topic. So why do you think that is important now? Yeah, you know, I, I actually think it's always been important, but I think that um, some organizations, some industries are paying attention to it now um, more so than they used to. So, you know, take the, the U.S., let's focus on the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, the, the murder of black citizens is not new. That's been happening for generations, centuries. But, it, but this year it caught the attention of the majority. And um, the majority, you know, being white people, right? And uh, so because, well, it, because so many leaders of organizations are those white people, they're attending to it. Um, organizations are realizing, or the leaders of organizations are realizing that they're not doing everything that they should be doing. And so it, um, that realization certainly goes it speaks to what they need to be doing within their organization. It doesn't only speak to protection of black people on the streets of our cities. Mm -hmm. um, so they're they're going to contextualize it uh, based on, on their organization, but they are paying attention to it right now because they're realizing that they are not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, um, you know, I think that I think it's, it's oops, I hear a little bit of that. Okay. okay. Uh, so I think that they are uh, uh, realizing that it's important and therefore they are putting energy and effort to it. 
And the leaders who are effectively um, creating more inclusive, more equitable cultures are, are first, they're, they're owning it themselves, right? So they're not saying, oh, this is the job of HR or it's the job of diversity and inclusion. They're saying, this is our job. And we certainly have people who are working with us and for us who have skills and capabilities in these areas and we need them but we have to own it. So that's one thing that they're doing. They are stepping up and owning it. They are um, with the, the people who are um, you know, in those uh, specific roles. They're doing things like looking at their policies and their practices. Mm-hmm. Try to say, you know, it's not enough just to put a, a quote out or even a quota, you know, a number that says this is what we're trying to accomplish in our organization. But they're saying, okay, if we're gonna if we're really serious about it, then we have to do the work to get there. And so they're looking at recruitment practices and policies and they're looking at development and things like that. So they're looking at the different ways in which they're moving uh, bringing people into the organization, but then also moving people through the organization so that ultimately they have um, maximum diversity at all levels of the organization. As an example, um, you know, if if an organization has um, always gone to the same universities um, to try to attract, you know, new graduates, well, mm-hmm. they're realizing they need to go to different universities. Because if you keep going to the same universities, you'll get the same population. But if you want to get a div- more diverse population of candidates that you're drawing from, you need to go to different universities, and um, or or community colleges, or um, civic organizations, right? So you've got to go to a wider variety of places to find those those potential candidates. So you know, in the sense of of the cultures of uh, equity and inclusion, those are some of the things that leaders are doing. You know, that's that's a good point you brought here uh, because diversity does not mean only the color and all, but I think this diversity at the university there is a diversity in every angle mm-hmm. we have to really bring in you brought you know a lot of the uh, community colleges i don't know how many companies really go and acquire there are definitely right. some good people are available because of various conditions of their financial crunch or whatever mm-hmm. i've seen a couple of people who really i met um, uh, those people are really economically backward because of that, they are not able to afford for the college and they're going to That's the right. community colleges and then they're working part time. So they're making money and they are really struggling to do the education and they're really top performers in terms of the education. So I think it definitely makes sense. But one question again, I want to ask you very specific, as you mentioned, uh, Black Lives Matters is more now. So why is it more coming to Main Street now? As you already mentioned, it has been there since long time. Mm-hmm. So what are the uh, some of the criteria which is really focusing everybody to focus on that particular moment today, even though when it is there since maybe a few hundred years or... Yeah, well, you know, you know I, I think it's certainly more visible because um, phones are recording things that they haven't necessarily been recording um, as, as, you know, one, that's one facet of it. It's not the only thing. Um, I... Part of me thinks, and I, you know, I, I work with a broad variety of clients, including um, a, a class of uh, master's students that I'm working with, and so I'm, I'm picking up on some of the things that they're becoming aware of. And these are, um, you know, early twenties, early mm-hmm. to mid twenties people, 
Um, and I think that um, there's a uh, there's a almost a, like a groundswell of realization that we need to be concerned with all human beings, and that um, and that it's it's you know it's not enough to be concerned about just myself or people like me, um, but that there's there I think people's eyes are being opened to the fact that. Um, people from different backgrounds mm -hmm. who have had different lived experiences are are having different experiences in the workplace True. and and so it, you know what that means is it it means people have to realize that not everybody is having the same experience that they're having and when they realize that when they realize that my experience and your experience in the workplace are different, then we can start to, to say, oh, wow, then maybe we ought to do something to make sure that we're both having, you know, equitable, inclusive experiences at work. Mm -hmm. And and so, I, you know, I think that the conversations that have been raised in the mainstream and in workplaces and in um, social groups because of the violence this year and the Black Lives Matter movement, I think that those conversations are helping people to um, really understand and build awareness differently than they have in the past. Okay, okay. So and, and if, and, this. Sorry, go ahead, finish your well, I was I was gonna say, well, there it, it connects to me for, you know, I, I, I talked about agility and flexibility for, mm -hmm leaders or is that where you were going back to yeah, yeah, exactly. the, the leadership qualities and i think that um you know whether you're talking about equity and inclusion or just in general mm -hmm. one of one of the qualities that leaders um successful leaders in times of crisis are having is they're transparent in their communication there we go right <laughs> that's where i was actually coming yeah. back because I think uh, one of the most critical aspect, um, which I want to ask, but you already answered, is that transparency and the vulnerability, right? Because one is, as a good leader, we want to really make uh, that connection between your employees and the co-workers and your customers and all the stakeholders, because mm -hmm. you need to have uh, that transparency in your communication. Hey, you know, yes, this is what is happening. Even that also goes with your vulnerability, right? If I don't know, I don't know, because people should um, practice to say, I don't know, because you are dealing with so many lives. You have to be very authentic and you have to be very candid in what you say. So I'm glad you talked about yeah. the transparency. <laughs> so I, I think know. thinking on the same lines. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so funny. That's so funny the way that we're, we're connecting there. So, yeah. So, you know, I think that with the uh, transparency, being clear. So if you're going to have a sometimes sometimes leaders have to have difficult conversations with their teams as a whole or um, or as individuals. And to have those those difficult conversations, you've got to be clear. You know what is it? What's the end result um, or the resolution that you're trying to get to? And um, you know you want to be clear about that first with yourself before you even start to have that conversation with someone else. And and you see leaders who are better or worse at doing that, right? And and the ones who are really good about it also are very clear about. Um, and this is a model that the Center for Creative Leadership uh, teaches, 
uh, very clear about the situation and the behavior and the impact. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're, this is particularly when you're giving someone feedback, um, being able to say, um, you know, Jennifer, in this situation, um, when we were in this meeting, uh, you said X, Y, Z, you said something, um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and the impact that it had on me or the impact that I saw it had on our team as a whole was blank, you know, so I have to be very clear about, um, and, and we talk about it as, as the camera can see it. So the camera can see the situation and the camera can see the behavior. And a lot of times the camera can see the impact. So yeah. it's, you're, you're not making, um, you're not drawing, um, you know, assumptions or conclusions, mm-hmm. you're, you're really stating what the facts are. facts are. And, and so by being able to do that, um, then it's, it's cleaner to have a difficult conversation because it's based on facts, things that happened rather than based on, um, you know, people's judgments or assumptions or, um, their feelings. And, um, and so, be clear about situation, behavior, and impact. Being clear about the end result, where it is you're trying to reach. And and you you said being vulnerable. I would add to that empathizing. Yeah, yeah. Empathizing and listening, right, to the person that you're having that conversation with um, is, is so important uh, because, again, we come from different experiences. Sure. And, and empathy is about knowing that um, someone's experience was was had an impact on them that may be different than the impact it had on you and and being able to really hear what's going on for them and and empathize with them feel with them you know if that was a uh, you know an exciting experience or a devastating experience and then uh, and then being able to return back to, okay, how do we get to the end result or the, or the resolution that we're trying to reach? True, true, true. So that again um, leads to the culture question. So what are the some of the things these leaders who are successful are doing to embrace this diversity and inclusion? And of course, your famous term, the equity, right, uh, in the <laughs> D&I. Uh, so can you uh, focus on some of the things what leaders are really doing for mm-hmm. differentiating in the organization in creating these cultures. Yeah, so, um, you know, thinking beyond things like uh, policies and practices, um, if, if, uh, if, if I think about leaders who are um, actively engaged, which is hard to do, right, in a virtual world a, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of times, but actively engaging with their team members, what are we seeing them do? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're we're seeing them um, understand the individual needs of of their employees, so that um, they can uh, create situations where, um, you know, if somebody needs, for example, okay, let's let's take some really real examples right here. Mm-hmm. People are um, in in this uh, state of COVID that we're in. Um, if you have a, a whole team who have suddenly been shifted from working in an office space to working in the home situation mm-hmm. and um and they're probably not the only people in that home who have had to shift home 
<laughs> so, you know, they could be, there could be roommates, there could be uh, partners, there could be children, whatever, who um, all have a need to access the internet. Yep. Their internet speed and, and access may not be adequate. Uh, it may not be the same that your team member had when they were working from the office. And, um, and so being able to understand the specific needs of each team member and work with them so that they can be effective and productive, you know, regardless of what their situation is, um, that's something that some leaders are doing um, in order to be, um, uh, to, to, to really create the kind of culture that works and helps people to be happy, productive, effective uh, team members. Uh, I think you really picked up a very interesting and a realistic problem because in my own home, you know, luckily <laughs> just before the pandemic, because everyone is almost now using the video and all, so I have upgraded to one gig. So my speed is very fantastic, but that may not be possible everywhere. And sometimes, that's right. Even you are, it's not only the affordability, sometimes even if it is not available, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can right. even afford it, but it is not available. What can you do? That's right. Because right now we are doing a video conversation. So everybody wants to be on the video, which takes more and more bandwidth. So how do you really get it? And that's again goes back to uh, other question, uh, um, uh, like, you know, the education and all, how do you really take care? But, you know, we don't want to go there, but there are always uh, different uh, uh, things are happening in that. But let me come back to our specific question again on the diversity. As you do really uh, coaching and guiding and mentoring the leaders in the corporate America, so what are the some of the things you coach to, to make somebody to be a better chief diversity officer? Because previously I have not really seen many of these titles, but yeah. nowadays I'm seeing there is a, every company is promoting someone to be a chief diversity officer. And I also see there is a lot of people of color are becoming mm -hmm. the champions of those. So as a coach, what is that you do somebody to become a chief diversity officer what are the attributes yeah so it's, it's it's a great question and you know while while many organizations have had somebody responsible for diversity and inclusion they've usually well i shouldn't say usually many of them have have buried that position down in the organization and so what you're describing is that organizations are realizing that um, diversity, as I said earlier, you know, diversity and inclusion, equity need to be the work of the entire executive team, not just that person who has that title. And so they're elevating the level of, of that role, uh, if not to be reporting into the CEO, the president, um, they at least have a dotted line um, mm -hmm. to that person. And so then the person, you know, one of the things that I would coach somebody in that role in understanding is they've got to know how the business works, right? So they, um, they need to not only um, focus on the, uh, you know, the, the, the policies and the, and, the, and the practices that will make that organization more attractive to a diverse set of employees and, and help a diverse set of employees uh, remain at that organization long term, but they have to understand what the business is. So they have to understand. I mean, that gets into where do you find um, if the, if the business is one, which is true in a lot of cases where uh, people who are uh, most frequently 
moved through the organization through an operational lens or a, a P&L, profit and loss, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of set of roles, then um, then we need to, to look at the, the roles that are available in those streams and um, and bring diverse employees into those streams so that they can be moving through that path if that is if those paths are, are some of the ones that are um, most usually moving up into senior roles right so so the DNI so the, the the person responsible for diversity and inclusion needs to understand how the organization works and how to get um, not only bring a diverse set of candidates into the organization, but how to put them in the kinds of roles that will set them up well for success in moving, uh, you know, continuing to move up in the organization. That's just one example of something that I would recommend. No, that's actually a very good example because it's not only identifying the people, but also keeping the people in the right position and then making them to be successful, right? Because mm-hmm. after hiring all this process and through the rigorous process, if a person you brought in to the organization, but you're not giving a good role where he can be successful, then again, it, it becomes a negative. So that's good. Exactly. Going back to your coaching session, either you worked the long career at a CCL or your own coaching, I want to ask um, anyone a, a story we want to hear from you. Have you seen anybody, we don't need the names of the company, but any person who you really came in to either CCL or to you where uh, with your coaching has really transformed to a better leader, any any kind of a story, you might, you might have seen like, you know, so many people, right? So anything which is a very catchy and a memorable <laughs> event which you have gone through in your mentoring and coaching so that all my listeners can probably understand well about that. Yeah. That's that's actually a great question. Um, you know, I I think you know, I work a lot with with women, not solely with women, but but mm-hmm. the the examples that are of of significant transformation that are that are coming out uh, in my mind right now as you ask the question are 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 typically, although not always, from women, mm-hmm. and and it is when they have. Um, one of my clients would describe it as uh, she has a name for it, which I won't say, but the voice between her ears mm-hmm. um, and the voice. between. So, so there is, you know, we, people tend to do, um, have a, 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 a voice of doubt, a voice of criticism mm-hmm. that, um, that silently says to them, you're not good enough. You know, somebody's going to find out that that you didn't get here, um, you didn't earn your way here. You're here by mistake, oh. and um, and it's uh, it's one of the the concepts that it's known as is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen is when people are able to quiet that voice and are able to, uh, you know, there are certain steps that I recommend they take in order to. Um, uh, try to rid themselves of that imposter syndrome. When they're able to do that, then they're able to kind of stand a little bit taller and say, well, of course I earned my way here and here's why. They've got the facts, right, that stand behind them. Um, they've looked at the strengths that they've got and so they they stand on those strengths and they believe those strengths. And sometimes, so, you know, <laughs> sometimes 
that's not even the development of a skill. They already have it all, but they have to quiet down that voice that's saying, you're not good enough to be here. And, and, I, and I, it comes up for me as one of the most transformational because it happens pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. If, um, because you're actually not necessarily developing a new, a new skill or a new capability. You're just learning how to silence the, the negative one. So, so you, I mean, that's a great one. And uh, I think um, um, I've been, um, uh, I heard many times uh, of some of the businesses and I'll be saying, hey, you know, uh, especially the introverts, they say, hey, you know, whenever I'm in here, people always think that I have a doubt. Actually, mm-hmm. before even people thinking about the person himself has a doubt whether I'm capable <laughs> or not, because the voices he has been hearing are Exactly. Here. So, That's right. Are their own, right? <laughs> so I think. Uh, well, so in this case, what you say is that it is more about the mindset. So you have to really change the mindset. And in that you- particular example, yes, that is about you know uh, the the story that you're telling yourself, right. um, or the you know the story that you're listening to yourself tell, and and how do you um, how do you stop listening to that voice and believe that yes, you actually did earn your way there. Fantastic. So that, that's that's good example. I'm glad you are doing. But let me just focus on a couple of things. As you mm-hmm. always say, you know, even though you don't want to bring the name, but you have dealt with many female, mm-hmm. and you also wrote a book, Kick Some Glass. So right. I want to understand why, what made you to write that book, and what is the mm-hmm. real gist of the book. So if you can just tell as closing remarks, that would be good for all the. Oh, ladies. fantastic! Yes. Yeah. So, so my co-author and I, Portia Mount, we were uh, when we decided to write the book, we were both senior executives at CCL, mm-hmm. and um, and there was uh, quite quite honestly, it was um, about four years ago mm-hmm. when in the U.S. Uh, we whether or not. You know, you're politically aligned with her or not. There was the op- there was a chance that uh, the U.S. was going to get its first female president. We were hearing people say things, men and women, say things like, "Well, you know, women can't be president." Yeah. Um, you know, and so, <laughs> which is just incorrect um, for a lot of reasons. So we decided a uh, couple things. One is we um, decided that the center, which had been doing work in the women's leadership space for, you know, over three decades, um, needed to uh, bring its voice out again because we really hadn't been really promoting that work. And by promoting it, I mean sharing it and mm-hmm. sharing what we were learning. So we um, we did a, a number of things to to begin to get that word out. And then along the way. Um, it was actually Portia who said to me, she said, you know, we ought to write a book. And I said, well, you know, Portia, what we're doing is we're amplifying the research and the practice that all of our colleagues are doing with women leaders. What do you mean we're, we should do a book? We, like maybe some of them should do it. And she said, but Jennifer, we're living it because think about it. We have lived this um, journey of moving from um, very, uh, you know, ju- junior level uh, women in organizations to now we're part of the senior executive team. And so we can speak to it personally as well as bring out the research that the center was doing. So then, um, so we agreed uh, to do it and uh, uh, rounded up a lot of the center's research and also did some new research, interviewing some men and women, senior level men and women to try to get an understanding of what are the barriers 
that women are running into in their um, journey to senior leadership. Uh, so we wrote the book around the barriers. There are 10 chapters. Um, each of them is framed as uh, basically as a solution, but it's a solution to a barrier that you'll run into. So for example, um, a solution is to build your network of champions, to build a good network. The barrier that women run into is that they haven't built that network in earlier phases of their careers as much as men have generally. And so they haven't um, uh, had strategic partners that have opened doors for them or have mentored them or sponsored them in certain ways. And, um, and so what we wanted to do was to write the book to say, okay, you will run into that barrier. That's real. Mm -hmm. That's not about you or your capability. So we want to help you break through that barrier and you know kick the glass of that barrier and so each so that chapter in particular talks about different network roles uh that are needed and how to build them and um how to be you know part of somebody else's network and help somebody else move along as well so that's good i think i also like the title you know kick the glass <laughs> yes yeah we we really so the center's first book uh women's leadership was called breaking the glass ceiling Oh. And the, the the second book took a, a different direction with its uh, title, the, and this one we really wanted to come back to the glass metaphor again, okay. but we wanted it to be I don't know, you know, very active and yeah, <laughs> kick it's, that glass. It's oriented, it's, it's right? Oriented, and by the title itself, people will get uh, some energy. Okay, let's kick the glass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what we were looking for. So we have fun with it. We we get to present sometimes together and um, and then we do separately as well but we have we have fun working with the book and Fantastic. helping people so maybe one day we need to have you and the Porsche to come on and we just focus on the kick the glass and sure. the for the woman in um, the globe you know the woman is always uh, great especially in uh, um, some of our cultures you know woman is uh, empowered in all ways you know yeah. uh, mother is always generating and producing a great leader, right? If mother mm -hmm. is not there, there's no birth and all that will take place. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so so God has created a beautiful person which is called a woman. Mother, right. Agreed, uh, agreed. Yeah. yeah. So as a um, uh, one more thing I want to highlight is it was uh, very ironic. We are just around the corner of elections and then we are talking about the four years back about uh, maybe possibility of getting a, a female president of us so i think uh, maybe in the history it happens soon or one day <laughs> we will wait for that inshallah <laughs> that's true but at least a uh, good thing is we are seeing a lot of women in uh, taking uh, some leadership roles in uh, very um, uh, challenging uh, industries like you know in the finance mm -hmm. sectors and all people think uh, there is no women role at all but i see greatly um, some of the companies are coming forward and they yeah. are so that's very good. So as a closing remarks, um, uh, what are the three qualities one has to improve on to become a good leader to all my listeners so we can end the show? Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Tough question. Um, so, so, you know, if I think about the, um, but both the men and the women um, leaders who would, who we would say are, who I would say are great leaders, um, you know, I think one is that they are they are inclusive in the sense that they know that they are not um, out there on their own. They can't lead effectively on their own. They need a team. 
and they need a diverse team working with them that um, that brings a lot of different skills and experiences. So, so they're inclusive in the sense that they they bring that diverse team around them to work with them, and and they're also giving uh, credit to that full team, right? And so they act very interdependently with that with that full team to be um, uh, to to lead the organization. I think um, a second quality I would say uh, is that that combination of agility, flexibility. They're both short-term oriented and long-term oriented, so that they're paying attention um, to, uh, to 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 what's happening right now and how to help an organization survive and succeed right now, as well as how to help it uh, long-term. And then I think they are authentic. Um, and authenticity comes with a number of different characteristics, like we talked about vulnerability, we talked about listening, we talked about empathizing, but they are truly, um, uh, they, they demonstrate to their team, to their stakeholders, whomever, they demonstrate who they really are. And, um, and, and it shows up both through their words and through their actions. Excellent. Thank you, Jennifer, again, just giving a, a beautiful, uh, you are a great storyteller and you gave a great examples of wide variety of people and also the women and it was a fascinating to know more about your uh, kick some glass so I yeah. think we will be learning more from you but thank you again for joining and for all the listeners so it does uh, leadership is coming in small bites uh, from Jennifer and uh, many more are coming uh, we have going into a uh, different uh, people across the globe so I have a couple of CEOs already lined up and then because it is all the political season this Friday, we are going to have a, a famous personality coming in for the political IQ, how a political IQ is going to be. So thank you all again for joining and then stay tuned for more from Leadership in Crisis and a special thanks to Jennifer Martini for being here and giving a, a great insights on the leadership qualities. So thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Swami. You're listening to Leadership in Crisis. You're listening to Leadership in Crisis.